Hello, sisters and brothers. This is Pastor Jason. So good to be back with you here on this episode. I want to encourage you to keep sharing these episodes with your friends. Uh, I'm encouraged to see all the time that people are uh, viewing these and sharing these. We have over 2,200 downloads, almost 2,300 downloads now, which is a great encouragement that the Word of God is going out. And most of all, that the people of God are getting help getting truth in their lives. I really want to talk on this episode about something I've touched on in the past, but I really haven't uh, dove into it real deep. But it's something I deal with on a weekly basis with people. And I mean on a weekly basis when you're talking and counseling with people about problems and issues in their life. And almost always, uh, it's an emotional problem of some kind. It can be anger. It can be depression. It can be anxiety. Um, There's all different kinds of ways that this manifests in someone's life. So if you're one of those people or know one of those people that have those issues, then I encourage you to share this with them or listen to this maybe even multiple times because it's a great truth that I've been able to see people get a lot of relief in their life from, see people live in a more abundant life from. And I don't mean on one case, but I mean on dozens of different cases, I've seen it to be able to work in people's lives if you apply what I'm going to share today. And the thing is, is that uh, first of all, remember, uh, in the Garden of Eden, we were made, we were perfect. You know, we didn't have sin in our lives. We had no sin consciousness. We had no shame. Remember, that's why Adam and Eve, when they walked in the garden, they were completely naked. They had no covering. They had no shame. They had no understanding of what being shame was. But as sin entered into man, and Eve and Adam made that choice to, uh, to partake of the forbidden tree, uh, then they did. And when they did, we died spiritually. But what happened then was then it was as if uh, Satan then was loosed, if you will, in our lives to be able to manipulate and to be able to, con- to not control, but to be able to uh, you know, influence us in one way or the other more than he was before. As it wasn't that he didn't have influence. Obviously, he influenced uh, Eve to partake of the fruit, and then which, which she knew was wrong. But what, so basically, we were made whole and made right. And at the fall, we died spiritually. Remember that what Satan said to, to Eve, he said, you know, you shall not surely die. Well, she didn't die physically, but she died spiritually. And what happened was after that is our entire life now, from the time that it happened with Adam and Eve till now, we are still trying to be made whole again. Now, we know that if we are saved, the, the words to be saved is sozo, that word that actually means to be made whole. And so we're being made whole through salvation, through Christ. Unfortunately, there was a lot of time in a lot of our lives between the time, and even when we were saved, maybe even at a young age, there's a lot of effects that people and trauma and hurt have on our lives. And that normally enters through circumstances. So for instance, someone who deals with anxiety, depression, any of those things, any of those symptoms uh, of trauma, that's what I like to call them. They're just symptoms of something that's happened in someone's lives. I do not believe that it is always just some chemical imbalance that just happened out of nowhere. And by genetic genes, I don't think that's a good theory at all. If you trace that out, that's there's really no scientific proof on that at all. But there is uh, there, there is one aspect of, of genealogy. There's another aspect you know, of chemicals. But a lot of the times, it is that person that's been through trauma 
trauma. One of the things that is universal in the mental health world is someone that battles suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety. They all have one thing in common, that's trauma. And in that trauma, uh, what happens is, is for instance, if a young boy or young girl is abused by a parent or by a sibling, then they make perceptions about that abuse in their life. And we find out that mostly, you know, if there's a healthy family and that there's an open conversation, that sometimes that can be as simple as, say, someone, a, a kid being abused or being hit, something like that. Uh, you know, and of course, I don't mean just a little wrestling match, but I mean real abuse, you know, that someone was really hurt or it's continued abuse. Then that kid makes assumptions. He makes belief choices, and if he doesn't have a family of origin to go to, to share with in a healthy home that says, hey, this is how we get through this. You know, this is how you need to look at this. You know, you're not a bad person. It's not your fault. They did this abuse. It was their choice and it affected you. You know, the more healthy the, the family is, the more better the family is with dealing with things like that, the better sometimes those lies don't form in their life. But many times what happens with the busyness of life, with this parents' work schedule, and with the dysfunctional families that we have in the world, uh, I mean, I've never met a functional family. I don't know. I think we should use the word functional uh, like it's an oddity because I don't know any, but I know all dysfunctional families, even in the church. You know, it's not are you dysfunctional? It's just what degree of dysfunction do you have? But what happens is when trauma happens, then that person forms opinions and those opinions become that person's truth. So let me put it like this. So I'm a young boy. Uh, you know, my brother hits me over the head with a bat, if you will. And all of a sudden he gets mad and he throws a tail. And all of a sudden I say, well, I've done something wrong. I'm a bad person. You know, I'm mad at him, but I'm mad at myself for what I did because I provoked him to do it. So already I've got this belief that I'm bad. So something bad happened to me. That right there is, 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 that's one thing. Kids will be kids. Things happen. Hopefully you're not hit. Your kids aren't hitting each other. They have the bat, but you know, the bottom line is things happen, but, the, but that's real trauma. That's a real thing that happened. And if he's, he believes that opinion that he's bad throughout his life. And you, you know, as well as I do, there's a lot of things that isn't someone hitting you with the bat. Sometimes it's major abuse that children really get beaten and starved and neglected and left alone. I've heard of days when people and their parents are in drug abuse. But these real things that happen in sexual molestations and things like this that happen to little girls. And it's so unfair. And they form these opinions about what's good and what's bad inside of them. And see, there's a lot of times I call this little children work. And it's funny because this is exactly not what I thought I was signing up for when I signed up to go uh, to Bible college and say, hey, uh, you know, I want to help people with their struggles and you know, I want to pastor in the church. So next thing I know, they're teaching us to work on this inner child, this inner young and this inner man. Here I am, this old oil field hand that's beat my beat wrenches all my life and, you know, been, been a, a pretty rough old cob. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, let's, we're going to have to do some inner work. Let's learn about truth and lie-based thinking. And I'm like, oh, goodness sakes. You know, I just want to help people. You know, I didn't know I was going to have to learn this. But I found out it to be very effective. And I found it to be very effective on people that I've counseled and people that I've helped. And so this opinion's formed from this abuse, this neglect, this molestation, whatever it is, that I'm a bad person. And, some, and what happens is we start coping with things a certain way. Now, I've seen a lot of people that, that fall into the habitual habit of becoming the victim. 
So when something happens, anything, uh, they were a child, they were abused, they couldn't get out of the abuse, they couldn't get away from the molestation or the abuse. Next thing you know, they show up on the workplace and one little thing happens and someone says some comment to them and they're like, oh my God, they just melt down and cry and leave the office over someone saying, you know what, you know, that's my food in the refrigerator, not yours, that's my place. Well, they have a mental breakdown right there. They avoid and they become the victim and they're victimized because of the abuse, not necessarily because this person has a, got a mental health struggle and they're just weak and they're, no, they've had some trauma that's happened. They believe a lie that if someone sets a boundary and says, this is mine, not yours, then it's like that. It's like they're getting hit over the head with the bat again, and it's reoccurring the, the trauma. And why is that? That happens because people weren't initially healed of the trauma. And some people would say, oh, I just don't know about this. Well, let me tell you what. If you don't have an anger issue or you don't have an anxiety issue or you don't have something when something happens that you get butterflies in your stomach or your heart starts beating, you think, oh, my goodness, how am I going to get out of this? If you don't have those reactions, you don't ever have those symptoms. And praise God, you've probably had a great family of origin that supported you and put their arms around you and talked through problems. and Or maybe you're just a better person. Maybe you've just learned to function better in dysfunction. You know, but I see there's few and far between. And I've worked with so many people, they're battling with their spouses. They're getting angry. They're trying to control. They're, they're, they feel like they're being controlled. And they're ready to divorce their spouse because some of this past trauma has not been fixed, has not been healed. And normally, you know, I like to say this. I, people try to avoid pain. It's, it's right. It's, it's human for us to try not to have pain. So if I know I put my hand on the stove and it burns it and I pull my hand off, I try not to put my hand back on the stove. It's a natural reaction to avoid pain. But when I see someone that's dealing with a negative emotion, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, Maybe it is lack of intimacy with their spouse, whatever it is, you know, they're just cold as ice and they say, I don't have any feeling. What they've done is they've insulated themselves many times to where, hey, rather than be hurt, I would rather not feel anything. And these habits are hard to break, especially if they were formed at, you know, four, five, six, 10 years old, you know, 15 years old and all. And, you know, I've seen women that were 60 years old that had a hard time connecting with their emotions. Now, women generally connect better with emotion than men do, but it, and being able to connect with them is one thing, but being able to understand why you're acting the way you are is another. And I hope, I hope this, you identify with this and you're grasping this, but here's what the scripture says in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Let me read it again. For we do not have a high priest which cannot be. So what it's saying is we do have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of of our infirmities, or he can be touched through our pain. That's another way to say it. That's the Jason Bruns translation. We have a high priest that can be touched and connected. That word touched is the same word, the Hebrew word for connected. So when we have an infirmity, when we have a hurt, when we have a pain, we can connect to that high priest and we can touch him, literally touch him through the spirit world. We can touch him with the feeling of our infirmities. See, that's why people that are Christian and they have God in their life and they go through trauma, they seem to come out many times on the other side with more more joy, more peace, less of these symptoms, of these negative symptoms that can impair us to live our life. 
And it's so important that we know that. And here's what I tell people, you know, they avoid so much pain that they become a prisoner to a life that is less abundant. And so I encourage people when someone comes to me with a problem, now let's life application this. So someone comes to you with a problem and you're talking with them and you see they're just upset. They're crying. They're frantic. You can see their face. I've many times I've seen someone's face. It is so much pain. It looks like there's so much hurt in their face. You have to attune to those people. You need to look at those people and give them the time. You know, set your phone down, give them the time. That's why I set appointments at the church today. I have four appointments back to back, you know, way up into the evening hours and I'll give them my time to listen to them and attune to them and listen to their pain. But you know what? Many times I see the amount of pain that they're going through is not equal to the amount of the problem or the trauma that happened. For instance, maybe their spouse said, you know what? Don't be stupid. And I mean, they come in and they say, he does this to me all the time. And I mean, they're ready to divorce him. And I'm not saying someone should say that, that they're stupid. That's not good to say. It's horrible. But the bottom line is people say it. And I hope that, you know, we've overcome some of those things. But this person, it just feels like they've literally been, you know, ran over by a car when someone said, you know, you're not that stupid or don't be stupid. And I mean, they feel like this. And I try to tell them this. You know what? This seems to be a real struggle. And I'm not saying that what they did was right. But this seems like you're much, you know, you're more greater affected by this than what it really should have been. Not that you don't have a right to be hurt, but I mean, they're breaking down. They are sobbing and weeping. I don't know why he does this to me. He just does this all the time. And I've seen that dozens of times and people are just breaking down. And I ask them this question. I say, have you ever felt like this before? Think about this. And I've used this principle time and time again. Edward Smith come up with a book, uh, Theophostic Prayer Ministry. Edward Smith come up with true and lie-based thinking. It's one of the places I got this from. We used to do Theophostic Prayer Ministry, and that's basically trying to resolve connecting through your pain to finding out what the lie is and then inviting God in and finding truth. But I find that you can use this aspect in just conversation. You don't have to do a TPM or Theophostic's prayer ministry. You can actually just do this, and you can do this on yourself, by the way. When you're going through something that really, really hurts, I've been in some pretty deep emotional pain, you know. I'm a man, so maybe I don't have, you know, feel like a lot of women do, but I've had some pretty deep pain and I try to connect through because the scripture says that we have a high priest that I could connect to through my infirmity. And I try to connect with God. So I ask that person, when have you felt like this before? Well, I don't know. I'll say, that's okay. Think about that. Think about when you felt like this before. And most generally, they'll come to a memory. They'll come to a time in their life where it felt just like, you know, he said I was stupid, but you know what I remember one time whenever I was being touched in a wrong way or when somebody was abusing me or when my father screamed at me and had me, you know, was looking at me over in the corner and was screaming at the top of his lungs and had his hand up. And I thought he was, I thought he was going to really hurt me. And I remember that. And I tell them, you know, and people, I've heard people say, don't go back into the memory, put that under the blood. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It may be our sin is under the blood, but many times our trauma remains at the surface. See, we need to not, we need to be very, very careful the things we tell people. Don't tell people, oh, you are to be healed from that. Oh, it's under the blood. Just put it under the blood and trust God and tell God you got the victory. No, no, you don't tell them that. That's a lie. They're lying to themselves. They are not functioning to their capacity and they know it. I've had people look up at me when I try to, when I'm trying to listen and asking God to help me and trying to talk about their problem. They look up at me and they say, that's not the problem. 
That's not it. You're not listening. And so then I got to re-uptake and back, back up and ask God again, God, help me to understand this better. And then it comes, you know, it might be, I've seen, I've seen problems that were physical to where people were having thyroid issues or maybe hormonal problems. But then I've also seen people that all those things, they've had them checked out and they're still having this anxiety. They're having this depression. They're having this hurt. And when they really want help, what I found out is when they really want help, if they'll just turn to God and ask him in that memory, say, God, what am I believing? What lie am I believing? And I'll ask him these questions. I'll say, does this statement feel true? true. You know, you are what blank and bad. So does that feel true? Yeah, it does. So if you're a bad, what's that mean? Well, if I'm bad, then I'm no good. Okay. Well, it sounds like that's just silly, but you, you keep asking the question. You keep focusing in on the hurt and the belief. Cause see, if they believe they're bad, they believe they're no good. Then they believe they're worthless. Then they believe then there's no reason for them to be here. And now they're suicidal. See, suicide is nothing more than a way out of a room that's dark that they have no way to get out but to kill themselves in the dark room. But see, the gospel says that we're to open the door of light, that we're to connect them to that high priest, that they can receive healing, that they can be touched by heaven's hands to where they can be made whole again like God's created them to be. And so I encourage them to keep going down, you know, getting down to the root of that belief. And many times I've heard people say, well, then if I'm no good and I'm not worth it and I'm not worthwhile, then you know what? I just as well die because I'm not even worth living. That's the lie. Because I don't even deserve to live. Then I say, you know what? Why don't you ask God what he says? And I give God a minute. And and, And many times, more times than not, God will then speak to their hearts and speak to their truth. Listen, I've learned this long ago. If we want to be touched by heaven, God will show up. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, I shall be in the midst of them. And if we're seeking God and we really want healed, then God will be right there. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you get this grasp, I've done it. I've done this on myself. I've been so frustrated at myself, so angry. I'm mad. I mean, one time I'll never forget, I was out in the country. And I mean, it was years ago, I'd like to say that it was just in my old sinful flesh, but I was, I was saved and I was going to counseling classes. I was trying to give my testimony in the youth group and man, I'm doing all this great stuff, but I'm just struggling along. You know, I mean, I just am, you know, I still struggle along, but I'll tell you what, I'm in the middle of a field and I remember I got some mad, I, I was just about done and the kids had a football game and I need to go to that football game. I'd missed a lot of them. I worked a lot of hours out in the old field and I, I was tightening this thing with the wrench, this PV nipple and broke it and i i got so mad i mean i know this don't you know cover your ears if you if you really want to think i'm real holy but i got so mad i said darn it and i mean i did praise god i didn't say a bad word god delivered me from that before that but i said darn it and i got so mad i just screamed i mean i'm out in the middle of a field this lease road was six miles way out in western kansas it was six miles off the beaten path and i went over to my truck and i kicked it and i hit that kicked that metal toolbox it wasn't the smartest saying I was angry and I thought I broke my toe and I mean that hurt so bad and I'm jumping up and down then dang it so I'm, I'm mad and then I'm hurt and I remembered this principle we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities and I thought but I'm mad I want to just you know get mad and throw a wrench or punch something and I thought but that's not going to do any good because I've been had this happen before and I said God what is wrong with me what is wrong and, and I'm not saying, 
you know, it, this isn't some great epiphany, but I remember what God said. God said, you're demanding too much of yourself. See, when I was hurting, when I was frustrated, see, I was mad I was going to miss that football game. I was so mad because I thought I was a failure. I wasn't being a good dad. That's what happened. I thought I wasn't going to be a good dad, and I was trying to work and make a living for my family, but since I wasn't able to make that game, and you know what? When he told me that, it was like my heavenly father came down and said, it's okay. It's okay if you miss the game. It's okay if you messed up. And you know, I don't even remember if I made the game or not. I might have. I think I might have went after a part and had to come back, and it was way wee hours of night, 10, 11 o'clock. You know, it was three, four hours from the part store that was open at that time. But you know what? I just remember thinking it'll be all right, you know? And, and that sounds so silly to some, but I'd put myself under those demands, and I think sometimes that's the way it is. We get in these habits of doing things, and we're so hard on ourselves. God says, take my yoke upon you because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And I use that scripture because if I'm not experiencing that yoke, then there's been some trauma. There's some lies somewhere. There's something down in me that doesn't believe that. God, I remember when I read that passage about six, eight years ago. I thought that's not right. Probably about 10 years ago. I've been saved 15 now. I thought that isn't right. His yoke can't be easy. His burden can't be light. It's too heavy because I'm frustrated and I was trying to do everything. My kids were young and I was trying to make the bills and I'm trying to be a good dad and I'm trying to be a good Christian and I just seemed like I messed things up. But then I remembered if God says it's light, it's light. It doesn't matter what I believe. Because what I'm experiencing, these symptoms of this frustration is not the truth. The truth is it is. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. And I'm wrong. So what are you doing to yourself? Why are you frustrating yourself? Why are you being so down on yourself? And I'll tell you what, that's a healing salve. That's the bomb of Gilead, they say. And when you clear up those lies, I've seen ladies and I've seen uh, men that they believe these lies. And when God comes down, I don't do anything. I just set the table. God comes in and when, hey, sometimes God don't show up, but I keep trying with them. And I tell them this, to do that with themselves. when they get so anxious and they get so upset and they're ready to leave, or they're ready to run or they're ready to punch someone. I tell them, embrace God. Say, God, when have I felt like this? What is wrong with me? And a lot of times they'll go to that memory and they'll go to that place and then God will touch them and heal them. And then I say, okay, when you're there, now where's God? And many times they'll say, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My brother came in and he stopped that from happening. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? My dad ended up getting taken out of the house. My Maybe, God forbid, my mom went to prison, but God was there. God did protect me. Because, friends, we viewed that many times the anger toward God is one of the hardest things to get through. And people say, God's abandoned me. Why did God let this happen? But the devil has sowed that lie, just like in the Garden of Eden. And he said that God didn't protect you. God is not sovereign. You, you're you just broken, and you're no good, and your God won't protect you. But if you go back to the place and you receive that healing and replace that lie with the truth, many times you'll see that person. I've looked across the table, and I see the peace of God on them. They come in with their face contorted and downcast and, I mean, just wanting to literally end their life, and they walk out with a smile on their face with happy and joy, and they say, I can't believe how good I feel. I can't believe what God just did, and they thank me, and I say, oh, hon, I didn't do anything, sir. I didn't do anything. I said, you can do that all by yourself, because the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When we touch God, He touches us. Our lie that we believed 
is replaced with the truth of Scripture and the truth of what God wants us to believe. So friends, I hope you've got this, and I really want you to pray about this and pray about sharing this with your friends because I believe that God wants us to live an abundant life free from the symptoms of the depression, the anxiety, and the anger that so besets us in this world that keeps us captive to living the easy burden and the light yoke that Christ has for us. Friends, God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week.